This is an APTA podcast. This podcast is an interview from APTA's 2018 Next Conference and Exposition, held in Orlando, Florida from June 27th through the 30th. Go to APTA.org next to find other news from this 2018 event, and please save the date for next 2019, happening June 12th through 15th in Chicago. From Orlando, Florida, I'm Jason Bellamy here at APTA Next. I'm joined by Lori Hack, who just delivered the 49th Mary McMillan Lecture not 20 minutes ago, basically. Right. You just finished that. So first of all, congratulations. Thank you. Um, give us the name of your lecture. Wisdom and Courage, Doing the Right Thing. And so uh, you covered a bunch of things I want to talk about. Uh, but I want to talk first about, you talked about good versus bad decision making. Mm -hmm. And essentially, we too often think that good decisions lead to good outcomes and bad decisions lead to bad outcomes, and that's not always the case. Right. Kind of summarize some of your thoughts on that. Those, those are great. Well, you just did a great job summarizing it right there. Uh, and then there's so many wonderful examples in life that I didn't have room for in my talk, but that we, we just think that um, when, when there's a good outcome, there must have been good decision making, and sometimes there was and sometimes there wasn't. So you really have to separate the process from the outcome. You use this great anecdote about your husband basically saying anybody who's won the lottery made a bad decision. That's right. So they got a good outcome. That's right. Um, I agree with that, by the way. <laughs> uh, so take that then to clinical practice, right? And, and what, when we think about those simple examples, what's the risk in clinical practice of sort of oversimplifying that good, good decisions lead to good outcomes? Well, I'm going to uh, go, go back a step and say well, the other problem is that we remember th things that go well. So if you get some good outcomes sort of accidentally and you think it was because you had a good process, that's really not... Uh, a good plan for long-term good clinical care. So that's why you really need to document and sort things out very carefully because we all get lucky once in a while yeah. and we get unlucky once in a while. So you can't make the decision based on anecdotal remembering one patient at a time. You've got to look at groups. And so, right, and so you encourage people to, to essentially give up their ego and look to clinical practice right. guidelines, that's right? right? And do things of that nature. And, and along those lines, you, you also really encourage people, you said there's one thing we can do right now today that's super easy, and what is that? That is choose to, to go learn about things that are different from what you're currently thinking. Uh, we can do that right here at Next. There's hundreds of opportunities, but do that every time you go out and try to learn something. Learn, learn about something that's new and different or something you disagree with and see what, what that means after you've learned more about it. Yeah, and you said that often the resistance to clinical practice guidelines or I assume any other thing that's not what I'm doing is essentially that you can find one example where it didn't work, right. which of right. course is not a scrutiny we ever apply to our own thing. That's right, of course not. Our own decision making is always so much better than anybody else's in our own minds. Yeah, we can't, we can't rely on that. And you, so you really have to go and, and look, document for yourself in your own, make your own clinical notes, whatever it takes to be able to get, see the whole picture of care, not just one case at a time. So you talked about, you said, uh, you know, there's right now there's pressure to be faster, to be more efficient, uh, to get better uh, financial outcomes. And you said we need to resist these temptations and we need to act with courage. Um, why, I mean, obviously that's important, but, but how much courage does that take? How do you do that? How do you, how do you stop and apply that courage? Well, so I, things I didn't have time for. I only had only had 45 minutes, so there's a lot I didn't didn't get said. You know, we are so blessed in physical therapy. We have so many options of places to work. We have um, there are always practices that are open to us. So I really encourage people to say, you know, if it's not working here, if I'm getting too much pressure to do the wrong thing, I can find myself a different place to practice, and I should. And I, really, people need to feel empowered to do that. 
to choose a better place, to choose change. Yeah, you, speaking of empowerment, you also really encourage people to feel empowered to go to somebody else that they think is providing mediocre care. H how do people approach that? Oh, that is such a good question, because I think I said it needed to be non-judgmental but clear. And, and I, I think... For me, the issue is to focus on behavior, not say, I, I, I don't think you're a very smart clinician. That, that would not be a good approach, to say, but ask questions. Why did you think about that? Can we talk about the decision-making? I'm going I'm to share with you what I'm thinking about my patients. You share with me what you're thinking about your patients. The more we can talk to each other about the, what's going on in that, that hidden information in our minds and our thinking, and we hear different views, that just by itself can help without even saying to people, I think you've been making bad decisions lately. You just get them to talk about it and things can improve. So you, talk, you mentioned different views and I'm gonna segue off that. Uh, you mentioned popped, right, yeah. along the way. And you said that's something where um, you, I don't want to say you changed your opinion on it exactly. You didn't flip, I wouldn't say, but, but used to basically be anti-pop situations. But your, your feelings definitely evolved on it. Right. So, so why? And talk about, the, talk about the landscape that led to that. Well, in terms of pop specifically, to me the issue always was that there could be potential referral from profit. Right. If there's no referral, then there's no referral from profit. And that gives us an opportunity to say instead, these physicians are our colleagues. Many of the problems we treat need multiple disciplines to, to pro properly approach them. We want to work primarily with pain. Shouldn't, shouldn't we have physicians and nurses as colleagues? And can't we find a way to make that easy for patients and do that in a multidisciplinary practice? That's very different than a physician-owned PT service. Uh, our current prohibitions make those multidisciplinary practices hard. I think we need to change that. Yeah, and you also mentioned that a lot of nonprofits or, or not-for-profits are acting in more for-profit uh, tactics, I guess yes. you, you should say. It's really hard to line. distinguish one of them right. because they, are, they need money too, and so they're doing all the same kinds of let's make more money strategies that the for-profits are just for a different purpose. It's a slightly better purpose, I guess, if it's going back to the institution rather than to investors, but still asking us to do things that are inappropriate. Right. And so the lines are all blurred, and the issue should be what's the right care for the patient. So if we're talking about the right thing to do, let's talk about societal, our role in society. Um, that was something, an area where you challenged the profession and the association to do things. Um, and essentially your, your argument was, we have up until very, very recently, tended to look at the profession and the association's engagement are, um, is, is, the, is X issue right at the bullseye of what we do, the most center point. And you essentially urge to broaden that, that mm -hmm. perspective. So, so first of all, you know, why? Well, why is because it's best for society if we're all working to improve the total health of society. That's, that's just a good. That's a common good. It's the public good. It's what, actually what every citizen should be doing, what every person should be doing. But we have a special obligation. We are given a lot of privileges by society and being called a profession. We're, we're allowed to, to do all the things we do. Well, we owe that back. Mm -hmm. So we really need to focus beyond ourselves and, and I recognize if we get paid more and we have more access, that's good for patients. Not saying it isn't, but we also need to support all the other things that our patients and clients need. We need to think broadly about all of the health of society. So let me give you the, the devil's advocate argument for that, which is always, you know, the American Physical Therapy Association is the only association for physical therapy. Mm -hmm. And so essentially all the focus should be laser focused, you know, really narrow because that's what we do. What's your argument on the other side? 
Well, first place, if that's all we do, then we're a trade union. We're not a professional association. So we that goes back to that same obligation. Um, I'm not saying we abandon a focus on physical therapy, and, and I, your bullseye might be a good point. Maybe there's a spot in the middle, uh, but then there's, uh, there's more beyond it, and we need to hit the whole target. Um, and we'll pay more attention to stuff in the middle because you always want to be in the center, but we need to hit the whole target. Well, and the other thing that goes with that is, you know, as we look at things like the opioid issue and stuff like that, if we start thinking about who's going to become the physical therapy patient, we have to think further upstream than mm -hmm. when they arrive. Is mm -hmm. that part of it too? Absolutely. If we're not paying attention to people having access to health early in their lives, we will then see people with stroke or other disabilities later in their lives, diabetes, all, obesity problems, all of that. If we really care about our patients, we want to intervene early. We want to give people access to health care early. We want to help them make the right choices in their behaviors over their lifetime so we're all healthier. That's good for all of us. So as a tremendous lecture, I, I want to kind of close by getting bigger picture. You've been a delegate for a number of years. You were on the APTA Board of Directors. You've been heavily engaged. Why? Why, do you get, why have you given so much of yourself to this association specifically and to this profession? Well, I had wonderful role models of my parents who did the same thing. Uh, they did it with Boy Scouting, with different organization. But I grew up being taught that while we didn't have much, we needed to share everything we had and that you needed to be engaged. And um, I also think if I'm going to be critical, then I need to be part of a solution. So, um, and it's been wonderful. It's also, you know, you get your toe in the water and all of us, it's really fun to keep swimming. So I encourage everybody, get engaged, do what little bit you want or as much as you want, and it will, it just has incredible rewards. We're at a very special time. We're three years away from the association centennial. How are, how are you feeling about this moment in time? You know, chasing these big things the association is chasing. How does it make you feel? So I, by, by the time we reach there, I will have been a member of the association almost half of that time. So I'm very excited about this. It's just, it's so wonderful to see the evolution. And, and I'm so blessed to, to I, I did, Mary McMillan died just before I became a PT. So I did not meet her, but I've met so many of the other founders and to, to be able to be engaged with them and then to meet all these wonderful students and to be, you know, I've been an educator, so I keep seeing each new generation as it comes and the continuity is phenomenal and, and seeing growth, continued growth. We have changed a lot in 50 years and it's been wonderful. So last question then, I mean, and I'm going to make you pick, not it be the, you know, the top thing, but, um, who or what project or whatever, what really inspires you at this moment in time as you think about us moving toward the future? What, what makes you very, very proud and confident about where we're going? Well, I, I am really excited about the moves APTA has taken in the past. It looks like about six months to me, but there might have been more prep. I am hearing, um, to, my talk today was an echo rather than a, a starting gun for, for this being engaged in society. I am so excited by things that the board and staff have been doing and by the House with some very strong votes acknowledging and supporting social issues. Oh man, it's, it's a new world. It's a good new world. She's Lori Hack. She's part of this great world. She's been part of it for a long time and will continue to be. Thank you so much. Uh, I'm Jason Bellamy. We'll be doing other broadcasts like this from next, so check those out and I'll catch you later. This is an APTA podcast.